Welcome back, everyone. You are now listening to episode three of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. Before we start today's show, I want to remind you guys to follow our social media pages. The app for those are at TBOTBPod. You can also visit our website, TBOTBPod.com. And on the website, like I've said before, if you think you are the best of the best, or if you think you know someone who is the best of the best, and it would be a good fit for them to come on the show, make sure you fill out that contact form on our page and someone will get back to you because we are always looking for new guests to come on the show. And the show is pretty general. The reason it's called the best of the best is because you could be the best figure skater in the world. It doesn't make a difference. I want to bring you on the show. I want to have you on the show. I want to talk to you about your story so others can hear that. They can get inspired by that. And as always, I want to remind everyone that the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now, this episode is going to be pretty different from our past two episodes. And by that, I mean it's probably going to make you crave a sweet. You're going to want to go in your cabinet, in your pantry. You're maybe going to run to the store after listening to this episode and grab a sweep. It's also going to give you the motivation to have a successful business. On today's show, I have the honor of having on Sophie Ivanoff, owner of Vini. This is a bakery in Chicago, but besides that, she is a close person to me. She actually babysat me when I was younger. We would bake together when I was younger. So without further ado, I want to welcome Sophie to the show. Sophie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy we were able to get you on the show. And I think this is going to be a great show because it's something sort of different. You're a successful businesswoman, I've said before. So welcome. Thank you, Maverick. It's an honor to be here. I, I sort of feel like a proud parent. <laughs> 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 yeah, we go. Sophie and I go way back. She, We were texting before she was coming on the show. And we were just talking about how when she was little, I have a vivid memory of her bake, taking me to her parents' house and baking. And she was telling me some stories about how I would love to bake cookies with her and et cetera, et cetera. And then I've seen her grow and look up to her because she sort of started this bakery out of nowhere. We sort of lost touch as I got in my teenage years. And then as I got a little bit older, we started to reconnect because my sister lives in Chicago. Her bakery is in Chicago. So we got to reconnect and rekindle our friendship and our relationship. And I'm so honored to have you on the show, like I said, because you truly are the idol of what someone would want to be like when they are older. And that's going to give a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, the inspiration to do something. So let's get right into it. Let's go into some of your background. Where did you grow up? How old were you when you first started baking? And when did you realize that baking was your passion? Um, so I'm originally from the Detroit area. So Troy, Michigan, specifically. And I always I always like to bake with my mom with ladies at church. Anytime there's an opportunity to bake, I would bake. I would turn class projects into baking projects, any opportunity. And I always knew I liked it, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that. Um, and then graduating high school, I thought of going to culinary school and my dad recommended college first. 
I wasn't too happy with that, but I, I tried to listen. And same, still same thing. Any opportunity I had to bake, I would bake. Just like when I used to babysit you, I brought cookies once to bake. And then that was it. Every time we had to make cookies. <laughs> just... Yeah, I love them. I still love them, but that's that's great. So what pastry or what item specifically made you fall in love with baking was there any one that you were like wow i love this or was it just pretty much any and everything you know i it took some time but as i got older i realized it's really not about the baking it's about the joy that baked goods bring to people and that's really what makes makes me happy and makes me want to go to work every day so just my way of of creating happiness is through baking and through pastries that's amazing. And that's so kind of you. And you are a kind person. You have a kind soul. And I know people appreciate it. Actually, later in the episode, I'm going to ask you a question relating to that, but we'll leave that for then. So how did you realize that you wanted to make baking a career and you wanted to be an owner of a bakery? So I, um, so actually my undergrad is in psychology, totally different. Same thing. My dad said, go to business school. And I said, absolutely not, because he was telling me to, to do that. <laughs> so I ended up with psychology and I still had the had the itch to do baking. So when I was still in Detroit, I actually took a few culinary classes at OCC. They actually have a pretty good culinary program just to see if it's something I wanted to do. It still was. So then I looked into pastry specific schools and found the French pastry school in Chicago. So it was just a certificate program, six months. That's all I needed because I already had a bachelor's degree. So I moved to Chicago about um, about 11 years ago. And then just stayed. And honestly, owning a retail bakery is not something I thought I would be doing. Um, I knew I always wanted the business side of things. I, I was definitely not a true chef. Um, I don't enjoy, like like I said, my happiness comes from creating happiness. And so R&D and creating recipes doesn't give me the same fill as giving someone a cake, you know, or, you know, selling someone a cake and cookies and creating their wedding cake. No pun intended, yeah. the same Phil. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> but uh, so you ended up acquiring Vinnie, is that right? You actually bought it from previous owners? Yes. So the previous owner was my pastry instructor uh, at school, actually. Him and his wife were amazing chefs. They started Vinnie as a couple and just definitely their hearts were more on the chef side than the business side and things were not going well with the business and the opportunity presented itself. And at the time I had a few ideas that I wanted to explore and this gave me the, the platform to try that out. Um, but with trial and error, you know, I was 29. Um, I had help from my family and uh, just, you just learn. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, of course. And what we developed was a great brand and just, it started to take on my personality too, which I think is what has made it more me and, and successful. Yeah, I want to bring up that point that you're talking about making mistakes. Every business owner, I've talked about it on the show before, I've started a few businesses, but every business owner, you make mistakes and that's part of your learning, that's part of your growing process. So for all the listeners out there, know that no success comes without mistakes or comes without failure but what it does come with is your ability to get past those road bumps to get past you know that road block that might be in the way you need to smash through it you're going to figure out other ways to go about the situation 
for you to be successful. So what was Vanille like before you came in and acquired it? Was it a different environment? Were they selling different goods? What was it like before you acquired it rather than after you acquired it? When we acquired it, it was uh, very small. They, they still had two locations. So we had a very small location in Lincoln Park. It's a neighborhood in Chicago. And we had only two tables. The kitchen was 500 square feet and we had a freezer in the alley which was also broken into once by a homeless man (laughs) to steal sheet metal. So it's a different experience in Chicago. The menu was pretty much the same. So we just, we expanded basically our customer. We focused on wholesale. So we partnered with grocery stores and more hotels and that really grew our business. And so then we were ready to build a new production kitchen and a larger cafe, which we did. And that was all self-funded. We raised enough money the first couple of years And then from there, we decided to open two more stores, which that's kind of where the mistake was. Um, And someone recently told me, which I wish someone told me this years ago, but you need to go deep before you go wide. And and that's the mistake. You know, it's like the shiny objects, more stores, you know, oh, I can serve more people and um, it's more exciting. But when you don't have everything set, it's it's a lot more headaches and a lot more mistakes. It's hard to replicate what you already perfected at one location because you didn't know where the perfection was. You just knew that you sort of had it at these locations. So when you tried to expand, you realized it was much more difficult than you had thought it was going to be to do that. And I think that is, right. you know, that's a that's a growing pain. And that's one of those things where you learn from your mistakes and you grow as a, not only a business owner, but as a person, because you realize that you made mistakes when doing it that you can go back and fix. And now you need to realize what those are. So it's a waking up point for sure for all business owners. So what are you guys best known for, right? I know I've been there. I love the macaroons. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, what's your best selling item at the bakery? Definitely macaroons. Uh, but yeah, since, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, the, for sure macaroons. Uh, since COVID started, though, we're doing a, a lot more cakes. A lot of people are celebrating with cakes at home. So that's been fun to see. I know I'm in Michigan. It was just my dad's 50th birthday. So happy belated for whenever you listen to this dad. But happy yeah, he birthday. had a cake. He had a cake and definitely a lot of people are starting to utilize cakes more because they're realizing that maybe they can't go out or they can't do what they were want to do. So that's interesting how COVID is really making this cake business boom, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So what is your favorite item to bake? I know you said in the past you didn't have one, but maybe now owning a bakery, do you have a favorite item that you like to bake? Um, I hate to say this, but I don't really bake anymore. Oh, <laughs> broke my heart with that i like i like to do the high volume production like filling macaroons because it actually relaxes me so when it's a repetitive motion like I, I can i like jumping in and just helping and doing the same thing you're focused on growing the business which is an important aspect as a business owner which i think people need to hear is that you started off in the ground in the trenches baking, um, you know, figuring out what your recipe was, I'll call it your secret sauce was. And then you started to grow from there. And now you're really focused on growing the business more because you have the right team in place for you to not have to worry about baking. Is that something you would agree with? I agree to a certain extent. I think this business, because it's so personal, that as an owner, you have to be hands on. And I think just in the baking industry, because it is so personal, and we're we're such a customer focused business and we want to touch points with customers personally. And the brand is so personal, generally speaking to the owner 
that it's hard to step back. And anytime I've stepped back, I've seen the decline in the culture and the team and it, it does affect the brand. So it, like you're, I'm still in the trenches. Like you have to. Yeah, be. I see that a hundred percent, but you're, you're focused on basically overseeing that the bakery is running efficiently while still being there, still being present. You're not an absent boss. You're yeah. still a resource for your employees to go to. And that's important for the employees to know that they're sort of, you know, there's someone there that knows what to do that they can turn to with any questions. I think a lot of employees appreciate that. So now that we've made all of the listeners hungry, I don't know if they want to pause and go get something to eat and listen to the rest of the interview, but I want to take this interview in a different direction because this podcast, I'm sure as you know, is focused on what's not taught in school. And a big part of the gap that I'm trying to fill is starting a successful business basically from the ground up. Your story is a little different because you acquired Vini, but you still built it to what it is today. It was there before, but you took it on. You took it under your belt. Like you said, you've had failures. You've made mistakes. And now you're building the brand up to something that's amazing. I see you do all kinds of different cakes for people um, you know, in high positions. And that's something that you should be very proud of. Or even someone that may not be in a high position, a regular person walking in on the street saying, hey, I want you to bake my cake. Like you said, you're bringing people happiness. So now I want to shift into a more business-focused conversation. When you acquired Vini, how did you educate yourself on the typical necessary requirements when starting a business, like how to file your taxes, do payroll for your employees, taking out loans, needing insurance, you know, like when you expanded to finding a place to rent out space for a storefront, you needed renter's insurance, you needed all these kinds of different things. Were you in the space of knowing how these things worked beforehand or were you sort of learning this on the fly? I didn't know anything, to be honest. I was learning on the fly. Um, I relied on my dad quite a bit. When we first uh, acquired Vinny, he came to Chicago and I think he stayed for like three weeks in my studio. At the time, I had a studio apartment. So just imagine being, you know, like 28 in a studio yeah. with your dad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I was so scared. Like, I didn't want him to leave. I mean, generally speaking, I was scared. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew that I believed in myself and I, I loved the product and I knew it, it had so much potential. And so that's what I focused on. And you do, you learn along the way and you try and surround yourself with people who know more so you can ask questions and bounce things off, you know, ideas. The city of Chicago is very hard to do business. There's so I'm many, sure. so many I'm little sure. things. So that was, that was really tricky. Just learning all the permits and still to this day, like I got a ticket last week for my awning. Well, oh, I've wow. never had a permit for an awning and it's, it's been there for 10 years. <laughs> so like you, I'm still learning the regulations. Wow. That's crazy. So they came and gave you a ticket. But, yeah. but listeners, you need to hear that and you need to take that in that she is able to be a successful businesswoman, but she really didn't know what she needed to do. She was learning on the fly. And that's part of the reason why I have people like you on this podcast is to let them know that it's okay not knowing how these things work in reality. There's always going to be a learning curve. But the best of the best is a resource for these people to come and learn. Like I've already had an episode about taxes. I've had an episode about insurance. And later down the road, we're going to focus those to more business aspect related type of conversations. But it's OK, everyone. You learn on the go. You learn about what you need to know about. 
And in the process, there's always going to be people out there to help you. I'm sure you went to experts to help you out with things. And that's how it goes when you start a business. You're not going to know every single thing. And you're going to need to accept that you're not going to know that. Sophie, what would you say is the hardest task you had to complete when you acquired Vinny from a business aspect? Oh. I love when my guests say they either sigh or they say ooh, because that means it's a good yeah, question. Yeah, I've never it makes been asked happy. that question. When we acquired Vinny, we went through a little a little different process. We had some negotiations to go through, and that was pretty stressful, which my dad handled a lot, but just from what I was involved in. So it's like a crash course in business really quickly. But yeah. kind of like you said, I mean, I just I knew customer service, and so that's what my comfort zone was. So that's kind of what I focused on in the beginning just to get your feet wet and then learning the, the more business sides of things and then the kitchen aspect. Cause I, I was not a production chef at that point. I had worked in okay. restaurants and different things, but not, not to that level and just being aggressive. I mean, I was 29 and we needed more accounts. I, I was never a trained salesperson. And so you just got to get out there. I just literally walked into whole foods and just pitched myself you know, and we got four stores at that point, you know, wow. so that that was and it's still nerve wracking for me to go that's on sales amazing. pitches, you know, like so you just you have to have the confidence and that's probably still what I struggle with today, too. Like you just have to believe in yourself and have confidence all the time. Yeah. And, and I'm going to call it shooting your shot is something you always need to do in the business world because you always have to shoot. The worst thing you do is miss and hopefully you get the rebound. I'm sort of using a sports analogy, but hopefully you get the rebound and you're able to make up for it. But you have to shoot your shot. You have yeah. to go out there, even if you're nervous, build the confidence for yourself and talk to people. Let people know about your business. Let people know what you're doing. Again, I like that you sighed and that was a hard question for you yeah. because it means that it took you you know, a second to think about that answer. But there's a lot of things that you could have answered. So thank you for that. Now, you said before in the episode that when you acquired Vinny, there was multiple locations. So what was it like to run a business when you could only be at one location at a time and there was always a separate location that you weren't able to be at? That is still a struggle, especially when we had four stores. The second location, which we still have today, is in the French market. So it's in a train station location. So it's much smaller. And that one always kind of ran itself, so to speak. It's high volume. And it's not a full service bakery. So we're not baking on site. We don't have to manage seats and wiping down. So that was easier. But I did I did spend a lot of time there in the beginning um, and back and forth. But that's one of the things I realized having four stores, that that's just not who I am. I like control. <laughs> I'll be honest. I like control. I like things done very detailed the way I want them. And so that that was very hard for me to, to bounce between all the stores and I think a lot of business owners like to be controlling as well. And it's a very hard concept for them to grasp of letting go and trusting people that they're going to run the business the way that you would run your business. And I think a lot of the time you have to find those one in a million employees that care as much about your business as you do. That's something that's very hard. And when you find those people, I'm sure you have them. You want to hold on to them forever and you want to do anything in your power to make them stay there because you know how rare it is to find people that care about your business as much as you do. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I agree. I, and I think it, it also comes down to 
a business owner or whatever your your path is 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 your why like i said if you know if your why is to make as much money as you can which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that then you probably can give up some control based you know how people cus- you know customer service and little details because you're focusing on if it's retail franchising and expanding and just cranking it out and getting your systems done and you know not creating new menu items every week and and making it personal and getting to know all your customers so I think that's where it starts is you need to know your why and then then you can decide how to proceed. And I think that why, like you talked about, is so vital when you are starting a business. A lot of the time people do chase the dollars, which like you said, there's no problem with it. But make sure that you're staying unfocused on what's important. Yeah. Um, keeping up relationships with your customer or your client base, ensuring that your employees are handling them in a professional proper way that they're going to be happy and they're going to want to come back and you're going to have repeat business with that being said sophie when you expanded you said you opened two other locations and that was sort of your mistake can you talk about that for the listeners so they can hear what the mistakes were that you made and how you got past them you know i look and look back and it was really just expanding too fast we didn't have the infrastructure in place and you know, one location was like a mile and a half away and I didn't do my due diligence, you know, and that's one thing I, yes, I learned on the fly. However, if you can write a business plan beforehand or, or get your thoughts on paper, I definitely recommend it. But we would just find a location. Oh, this looks great. Neighborhood's great without really diving deep into it, which that's a totally mistake. And then over the years, a lot more competition opened up. So we just, we saw the decline and it didn't work. The last location we opened and closed was in Hyde Park, which is south side of Chicago. And we did do a lot of due diligence there. And it was it was a great community. I love that community. And we had a lot of solid followers, but not enough to sustain a brick and mortar store. So it, it's just retail now is so tricky. But it, they both come back to, like I said, we went wide before we went deep. So because so I got on the shiny yeah. object. I know I want more stores. I want more stores. I want to, you know. I like that you use the word due diligence because I use that word on the show quite often because it's so, so important. Another word I use often that you do your due diligence. You do your background before you dive into anything, before you get your feet wet into anything, because that can save you. Yeah. Doing your background. Yeah. Doing your research on something can save you, number one, money, but number two, time, effort, stress sadness, all of the above. It can save you all of those things. So make sure that you're doing that research, that you're educating yourself, you're educating whoever might potentially be investing in your business. Make sure that you do that. So thank you for that story because I think a lot of times, like you said, people like to just dive in without having any knowledge. They're like, okay, I have one successful store here. Let me try and do this at X, Y, and Z space. And then you're like, oh shit, I really can't do it like that. Because why? Because you didn't do your due diligence. Yeah. You didn't see what the space was going to offer. So thank you for that as well. That that was a great point that you brought up. And then, you know, with me too, with the same kind of, depending on how large someone wants to grow, you just, you spread yourself too thin. And then what I found, everything was mediocre. So we, so I wasn't excelling anywhere. I was just doing what I needed to do because I was spread so thin. And that's another, another issue too, if, if you're not ready and you don't have the infrastructure. And you didn't want to be mediocre because you wanted to be the best of the best, right, as we exactly. like to say. 
I'm not I'm not a mediocre person, so didn't work out and for that's me. Why, that's <laughs> why we have you on the show because you are the best of the best in the baking world. And so staying on track of growing the business, how did you grow Vini to what it is today? Or did really the taste of your sweets do all the work for you? I, you know, honestly, I don't know if it's so much just the sweets. I mean, partly when macaroons started becoming trendier, we had the most macaroons in Chicago and we were one of the only places at the time doing it. But um, just me personally, community involvement is super important to me. And so that always translated in my business. And so since day one, we've been involved with the communities that we're in. And I think that really helped too. the neighborhoods, Chicago, you know, community, several nonprofits. I mean, we're always at events or donating and it's not even a question of should I? It's just how much do you need? You know, like, what you know, and if I can't do a lot, then it's just a little bit. But I think that translate and that's kind of what makes the world go round. And, and we're not, you know, I'm doing it because we like to give. I'm not doing it for kickback or, you know, to see the results or what am I going to get back from it? It's just we just generally like to help. Yeah, like I said, you have a kind soul. And that's very rare in today's world, especially from a business owner standpoint that's trying to grow the business there sort of may be an ulterior motive when they're doing these sort of donations but you you do it because you really care and I think a lot of the people I don't know if they're not paying attention or if things are moving too fast but make sure you take a second you step back from where you are and you see and ask yourself what did this community do for me now that I'm a business owner here and what can I do for the community now because what they've done for me that's so so cool that you do that and so inspiring I think to people that you're able to take what you have and give back because it's so important in today's world I agree with you it makes the world go round it makes the world a better place now that you already told me you're not baking as much what does your daily role look like at Vini you know I primarily focus on marketing I have found that that's kind of my sweet spot and that's what I enjoy so we're constantly trying to come up with new ideas, new concepts, new designs for cakes, and just try to have fun. We started doing a lot of pop culture things when COVID started, and that's that's done really well for us. We're staying away from politics now, but we did a lot of <laughs> Chicago political cakes and things. The climate's different now, but I mean, that's fun. And I do a lot of customer service, but same as anything. I'm doing payroll. I'm cleaning because you're always cleaning in a bakery <laughs> you know whatever needs to get done you know going upstairs asking if anyone needs help you just put your hands in wherever you need to yeah and to me it's a little different because I know you and I know the type of person you are but I said but previously on this episode sort of in the beginning you're the type of boss that people want you're the type of boss that people need because you're a resource for them I'm sure that maybe there's a little fear in them to ask you for something. But for the most part, you're pretty welcoming, warm person. And when you own a business, it's so important to be that person because you don't want your employees to be fearful. You don't want to look like you're just hiding away in the office, not wanting the help, telling them, this is what I pay you to do, so go do it. You want to be out there helping people, giving a hand if they need it. Like you said, you're cleaning. I mean, people don't really realize that when you own a business, you have to be doing all of those things in order for your business, number one, to have a positive work environment. But number two, you want people to recognize and people to talk about, hey, 
Sophie's my boss. She's the best boss I've had. And that's part of the reason why I work here. So that's that's really important that you're still out there. Like we'll call it that you're still in the trenches and yeah. still doing those types of tasks on a daily basis because it shows people that you're humbling yourself as to where you started. You're not letting it get to you. And people see that, they recognize that, and they appreciate that. You've talked about how COVID-19 has modified or sort of inflated an area of your business. But what have you guys done differently? What changes have you seen all due to COVID-19? Are you guys open in Chicago? I'm not sure if you are or you're not. Or what's that looking like? How has COVID impacted you? Yeah, we are open, not for dining though. Um, we have some patio seating. So we've been open the entire time for pickup and delivery. It's been challenging, especially our location in the train station. We're down about 90%. But that's the train station location. And all our wholesales wiped out. We service a lot of hotels downtown and all their wedding cakes. So there's no wedding, obviously, large events anymore or anything. So we lost that, too. We're just day by day. That's all you can do. You just have to stay positive. And it, it's not easy. You know, and there's days when I'm not happy and I just want to sit in my office with the door shut and cry. And and that's okay. Like those, those days happen. <laughs> it's not yeah. all, it's not all fun and games, but that's it. We just got to go day by day. And same with the team. I mean, they're going to have good days and bad days. And that's the world we're in right now. You know, everyone's going through yeah. a lot of stress. It's so important to stay positive and change with the times because that's the only way you're really going to make it out of this hardship right now is you need to stay positive work hard change with the times if i remember clearly you guys did something in the beginning of the pandemic when toilet paper was a scarce item you guys did a toilet paper cake yeah, or something did. like we that right yeah I think, that was i think my sister ordered one from you guys which is <laughs> yeah, why <she> did. <laughs> which is why i saw it but you know that's very cool so tell me a little bit about that you had what uh, a toilet paper cake and then yeah. you were selling it we just wanted to have fun and so just kind of make humor so we just were like yeah let's do a toilet paper cake and then we had all, and actually we had all these cinnamon rolls that we needed to blow through i had too much inventory so we were like just roll with it so it was a package of cinnamon rolls and a toilet paper cake um and that was another way just we were just creative to get rid of our inventory um and we sold quite a bit and then that led to I think our most popular was we did a cake with the mayor on it Okay. With when she was like with her police barricade like that did really well because we started they started doing memes of her here and so we printed it out and we just we've had fun and we start we did a lot of healthcare meals as well in the beginning and same our focus now you know I'm not trying to make a profit all I'm trying to do is keep as many jobs as I can and pay my bills and that that's the focus you know I'm I'm not not trying to like I said, make a profit, get rich during this time. I want to keep the doors open. I want to make sure Vinny's here for another 20, 30 years and and keep jobs. So And it will be there for another 20, 30 years because of that mindset, because of you caring more about the people than caring about the profit for yourself during this time. You know, we've seen record unemployment rates. We've seen all these types of different things happen where people really are have no money and you are being that type of business owner where you're trying to keep as many people on staff as you can. You're trying to make everyone happy. You're trying to make sure everyone has enough money to feed their family, to live their life. So I thank you for that from the bottom of my heart because I know how that goes. I know in my family's business at Loving Associates, we've done the same. We're a little more essential 
because people always need their taxes done and are always going to need our resources. But we never wanted to take anyone off a of payroll. We never wanted to do anything because we realized how important that money coming in is for people with families. Or even if you're single, you always you don't know what a person's circumstances and why they need to work and yeah. what that money means to them. So people appreciate that and you should feel happy that you're the type of person and proud of yourself that you're the type of person that is doing that. And I think it's it's just important that people know and hear a story like that and understand that being a business owner sometimes isn't all about the profit. It's more about caring about your employees and caring about your friends and your families and ensuring that they have money coming in so they feel comfortable and they're not stressing about that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think as business owners, you know, we're given, I don't know if power is the right word, but we're given more choices than the average person. And in a sense, it is power. We have choices to make. Do you want to help people? You know, are you going to be selfish? And, and you're given these tools and resources that not everybody's going to have. So it's a matter of how you want to use them. Yeah. And when you have that power, you want people sometimes abuse it. And when people do abuse it, you see those stories yeah. of people abusing it. And when people don't abuse it, you also see those stories as well. Like for yourself, when people listen to us, they're going to be like, wow, she's a really good person. She has a good heart. And people are going to appreciate that. And hopefully they're going to come to Vini. Can you order online? You can. Yeah, we uh, we just shut down shipping because it was a little bit too hot and I didn't have time to get into dry ice. But it's it's going to be back up probably when this airs. So it'll be up, okay. and, up and running. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So everyone go. What's the website? Uh, Vinipatisserie.com. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And if you go to our social media as well, I'll tag her. I'll make sure that you have a way to get to the website. So hopefully you're able to generate some business for yourself just from coming on here. If nothing more, you're inspiring the people and giving them a great success story. Now, focused on employees, how hard or easy is it to manage employees? I know something cool you do that I wanted to talk about is you have secret shoppers go in. You'll post on Facebook. You'll, hey, do I have any friends that want to go in to Vini? I want you to look at some things that I'll tell you what to look for. Is that part of your process of how you manage your employees? See who's doing what's right. See who's doing what's wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think, I think the employment aspect of any business is the hardest, to be honest. And that's something you know, unless you're a human resource person, so to speak, and you've been trained, you, you don't know how to deal with it because everybody's different personality. Everybody has different needs. And it's that's the hardest part is managing everybody's feelings and emotions and what they need and, and what works for them and what doesn't work and how they learn. And so the secret shopper is just a way to keep people on their toes too, especially with customer service. Because like I said, I, I can be laid back while well, I am laid back, but it, certain things I want them done exactly as how I want them. <laughs> so mm -hmm. when someone enters a store, the greeting needs to be the same. Welcome to Vini. Is this your first time here? Because then that gauges the interaction throughout the whole store. And so when people don't do that, then someone who comes into my store is not going to have the best experience. And that is yeah. what's important to me. So yeah. And, and when you mandate those things in your work environment, it's because you know what's best for both yourself, your employees, and the business as a whole. It's not doing it because you're trying to be like, oh, you need to do this just because I want it. No, you need to do it because that's what's best for all of us. That's what's best yeah. for the customer. That's what's best for the consumer. That's what's best for anyone. So I understand that. And 
you know, having employees and making them do certain things a certain way can be difficult sometimes, as I'm sure you've experienced. But it's something that you have to sort of put your foot down and be like, no, we have to do it this way because this is the best outcome for everyone involved, no matter if you're the person buying the macaroon or if yeah. you're the person making the macaroon or selling the macaroon to the consumer. You know what's best because you have the longevity. You have the experience in knowing that. As a manager or business owner or whatever path, like I said, you know, you choose, you have to take into consideration who you're managing. You know, for instance, I'm in a bakery setting, so I'm dealing with, at least in customer service, they're hourly workers. And generally speaking, this is a stepping stone into their future career. You know, they're in college, so they're not going to take it as seriously as a pastry cook who went to school and that's their passion. So you really have to keep that in mind too. Like, who are, are you managing law students, you know, like interns, this is their career and this is their passion. Or are you managing yeah. the hourly worker that's just a stepping stone that needs to pay tuition? So you have to keep that in mind too as you manage people. Yeah, and what I always urge all of my listeners, because my listeners are that younger generation, whether high school, college, just graduated from college, no matter what you do, I don't care what you're doing, you could be an employee at Walmart that's cleaning the bathrooms, you better be the best damn employee. Yep. You better be a leader and you better do it 110%, just like everything else in life, because it translates. So even though people might be in that stepping stone, I think it's a real show of character and show of their work ethic if they're doing it 110%, if they are. And if they are, you probably recognize that and you're like, oh shit, this person is going to be probably successful in yeah. life because they put in their all, even though this isn't what they're passionate about. Yeah. And and to those young you know, listeners who have their first job or second job, you have no idea who's watching you and you have no idea how they can help you. And, and like you said, if you're putting in 110% cleaning that toilet and happens the CEO of Walmart happens to walk in, you know, and you want to go in a marketing path, you don't know where you're going to end up. Maybe you're going to end up, you know, in the corporate world of Walmart. But I yeah. mean, you just have no idea. And that's, it's always important not to burn bridges and do your best because you just don't know. Yeah, that's great advice from a successful business owner. And you never know, you could be the best pastry chef at a different bakery and Sophie might walk in to see what the competition's like and she might try and snag you from there. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> you never know. But we're coming up to the end of the interview. Before I ask you a question that I ask all my guests at the end of the show, is there any advice you have for listeners about how to start a business, build a brand? Like I've said numerous times, you are the epitome of a successful businesswoman that started with just, you know, pretty much taking over something that you knew nothing about. So people will really appreciate your advice if you have any, or do you think we covered everything? Is there anything else that you want to mention? Yeah, I would I would say trust your instincts. You generally know what's good or what's bad for you and, and the path you want to take. And don't let anyone steer you in the wrong direction. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, like you said, even your father, he tried to have you do something a little more business related. You didn't want to do that. You did it because you felt that it might be the best thing for you, but you followed your heart. You followed your passion and look where it's taken you. Look what you've done. Look how much you've accomplished. I know you've won many awards. I've watched videos of you taking those acceptance of those awards, but what you do is so cool because you bring people happiness 
you know, having a sweet is always a highlight of someone's day. Baking a cake for someone's wedding is always something that someone's going to remember what their cake was like. And I know you said it before, but I really want to ask you sort of a deeper question of how does it make you feel that you are literally filling people with happiness, again, no pun intended, filling people and being a part of special occasion by making cakes, by doing these things. How does that make you feel? You know, I mean, it's the reason why I do this. That's what fills me up with joy. And that's what makes me happy. And I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. And it's it's like a little piece of me gets to be with all these family traditions and happy occasions. And it's great. I mean, and then I get pictures back of the first birthday party, you know, with the cake that we did um, and the wedding cakes. And it's it's just such an amazing feeling knowing that there's a little piece of me in all these occasions. That's awesome. Now, second to last question, what was the coolest experience or story you had from people buying an item at Vani? So actually, I'd have to say it's not with buying Vani or buying a product from Vani. It's with a customer experience. So we have Santa here every year. And I think it's more for me just because it's fun and, and why not, right? But there's a family that always comes every year and I just casually said hello to them. They're customers. But she came in after Santa and the mom was in tears. And she told me just how grateful she was that we had Santa because her daughter is autistic and she cannot take her daughter to the malls where Santa is because it's too much stimulation. So the only place the daughter can experience Santa is at Vani. So wow. knowing that, you know, yeah, yeah, we're a bakery, but we are a place in the community and knowing that we can create an experience like that for a family and, and having it, it means so much to them is pretty amazing. That's a great story. And that's so heartfelt, just like the person you are. Everything you say is amazing, but that's a great story. So thank you. I'm sure there's a ton more you could talk about. But the last question I have for you is, Sophie, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? Listen to your dad. Okay. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, listen to your parents for real. I've said that before. There's a reason why they give you advice that they do is because they've they've been through it and they they do know a little bit more than than we do still to this day, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But again, trust your instincts. And it doesn't matter the path you're on too. Like, you know, it took me forever to get through college because I changed majors so many times and I bounced around schools. But then I had a business at 29. So it doesn't matter. You know, don't don't get mad at yourself for not taking the traditional path. That's great advice. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the best of the best. You truly are the best of the best in the bakery world. And the information you shared on today's show gives the listeners a real life perspective of what it takes to grow a business to start a business. And this episode is definitely part of that shit that you're not learning in school. So thank you so much for that. As usual, I want to give everyone a big thank you to everyone who listens, rates, reviews, and subscribes to the podcast. This show has so much room to grow, and this is just the start. The only way this show is able to grow is because of every single one of you. So please, please, please spread the word about this podcast because I guarantee your peers, your friends, your family, they all can learn and grow as an individual from this show. And lastly, 
my number one advice as always is to lead by example like sophie talked about be a leader in everything that you do whether it's in the classroom whether it's in a community in your friend group or even your workplace leaders always will stick out thank you everyone have a great rest of your week this has been another great episode of the best of the best maverick's guide to success before we get out of here i just want to give a shout out to the winner of last week's giveaway the winner is outfits underscore q i will reach out soon to send you the money thanks everyone for entering